Hi, this is Nikki Porsche of Vibe from a Black Woman, and you're listening to Real Chicks Rock present Real Discussion with Michelle Dawson. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host for today, Michelle Dosberg. You guys always catch me in the middle of laughing and <laughs> carrying on because we have green room shenanigans before we start and go live. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, everybody that's been checking us out for the past three years. It's been three years. I'm super excited about that. So thank you guys for all the listeners. We got some new listeners today because I was out in them streets yesterday and I met some new people. Um, I had an event yesterday at Buteco, and I'll talk about that more towards the end of the, um, the show. But thank you, everybody that's checking us out. Let me just give you a little background about what Real Chicks Rock is all about. It's all about creative, creatively collaborating and connecting as we raise awareness um, <laughs> as we raise awareness about issues that impact us as women. And we do it through community service. We do it through this platform, the media, as we have this conversation. We do it through public speaking and mentoring. Um, today is a serious conversation. I always come and I try to greet people with a smile, and I'm always laughing and jovial, but sometimes we have some topics on there that are really, really serious, and so we try to set the mood um, before we come into the deep, the deep conversation. Today is no different. Today we're talking about fighting addictions. Yeah, um, someone reached out to me and asked me to do this topic, and um, it's part of one of the questions that I'm going to ask the ladies as we get into it. But um, she really wanted to be a part of the show, but was suggested that she wasn't quite ready yet to do it. So even though sometimes we think we are ahead of our addiction or we're doing better, sometimes we're not quite there yet. And we're going to talk more about that. But enough about me. No, we're not doing that. I have some wonderful people here. This one over here that keeps smiling, this Natalie Ellis. This is her <laughs> third time back on the show, so she knows what it is. Hi, Natalie. Thank you for having me again and again. Welcome back. Yes, I like Natalie because uh, we just have a really good time when we're we together. We I don't know if we're going to have a good time today based on the topic, but we'll see. Now, the person to my right, she's a, she's she. This is her first time. This is my first time doing anything on the television, on the internet. It's so, okay. Hi, we Anna. don't bite. This is Sharice Pinkston. Hi, Sharice. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Good. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. So, like I said, the topic is fighting addictions, and I brought two women that I thought were subject matter experts about the topic. Natalie may defect a little bit more to Sharice. On it, but I respect both of their opinions and their backgrounds. So, with that, let, for the new people that are listening, Natalie, please share with the people a little bit about your background. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Natalie Ellis. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Georgia. I've been licensed um, for almost 20 years and have been providing therapy for 20 years now. Um, I work with children as well as adults and couples and families. And currently, I have a private practice, which I've had since 2012, called Esteem Counseling and Consulting Services. Mm -hmm. And my practice is just that, is to empower self through enrichment, education, and motivation utilizing mental health. And again, it's so important that we take care of our mental health. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a lot of what I talk about and what I practice with my clients. And this is such a great topic because addiction is such a big thing in our society. So... Mm. Um, this is great. Thank okay. you for inviting us. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Cherise, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Let me bring this in for you. Okay. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, I am Cherise Pinkson. I'm an associate professional 
counselor mm-hmm. under the supervision of Natalie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been working in addiction since 2014. Okay. Um, I've worked in many types of settings. I've worked in residential treatment facilities, outpatient. I've worked um, in the forensic population, so wow. with the prisons and mm-hmm. you know parole and probation offices yes. and things like that. Um, right now, I'm working in um, community mental health mm-hmm. um, and working with the court services there. Um, I was in the military for six years, wow. so I've experienced a lot on both sides of mental health and substance what abuse. Di- what division or branch of the military? The Air Force. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Sharice, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What are some of the signs, before I jump into that? We have different types of addictions, yeah. which, which let's talk about a few of them. So there's alcohol, then there's substance, then there's pres- prescription. Yes. Like, so, like help me, help me. <laughs> so um, all of it is substance abuse, right? So it all okay. falls under that umbrella. Okay. okay. Um, and then depending on what the individual, their drug of choice is what we call it, mm. that's what the, the disorder is. Okay. Um, is treated okay. right so it's alcohol use disorder stimulant okay. use disorder mm-hmm. opioid use disorder okay and so the stimulants are the ones that um kind of called uppers so um cocaine methamphetamine um amphetamine mm. so like adderall pills and things like that mm-hmm. um and then you have the downers um alcohol is a downer mm. but it's separate mm-hmm. um and then you have other pills like um valium and xanax mm-hmm. and um you also have the opiates, so you have the pain pills, prescriptions, and heroin, and there's a whole other realm of synthetics that are out yeah. there now that are really dangerous because they're not showing up on drug screens, and people are making them and, and, and putting all kinds of things in them. So that's part of why there's been this epidemic of, you know, hey, we have to do something about it because you have no idea what's right, going on Right, right, right. Does it, I heard you mention heroin. Is that an upper or a downer or what? It's an opioid. It's an opioid. Yes, is that, so. is cocaine the same thing? Nope. Cocaine is an upper. So uh-huh. cocaine is a stimulant. Uh-huh. So a lot of times we have those polysubstance users who are using um, cocaine and, and opioids and alcohol. And right. so mm-hmm. it's just get really, really dangerous, especially um, with alcohol and other downers because mm-hmm. The withdrawal symptoms are life threatening. Really? Yeah. How so? Like, give me a, give me a symptom. Um, let's see. Severe vomiting is mm. one thing. Sweating. Um, people have hallucinations a lot of times when they are withdrawing. Um, just really, really, it's like flu-like symptoms. Yes. Um, but the reason why alcohol and other downers are more um, severe is because it also um, impacts their respiratory systems okay. and they can go to sleep and not wake up because they stop breathing. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. heavy. Yeah. So, so that was one of the, that was a few signs for cocaine. So how can we tell that somebody might be struggling with some type of a, an addiction? Can the normal eye tell or is it really just people that are, are trained to kind of pick well, that up? With anything, you know, we have to first identify that there's a problem. Okay. Um, and so a lot of times people call themselves functioning addicts, Yes, but that's not necessarily a real thing. Um, it's because, not. <laughs> <laughs> because there's other realms of our lives that are, um, that are damaged that we aren't, you know, aware of. Okay. So, um, 
problematic and uncontrolled um, drinking or using. Um, using more than intended, um, a lot of people say, especially like with cocaine or other uppers, oh, I just need a little bit to be able to take care of the kids or to work. Or, yeah, whatever, or just to function. Or to just to function. Right. And mm-hmm. the way our bodies are made, we don't need those things to be able to function. There's other ways to be able to function mm. without putting some kind of substance or um, foreign substance into our body, especially mm. the illicit ones. Um, people continue to use despite negative consequences. So um, if they have lost their children or lost jobs or have gotten in legal trouble and they continue to use, um, those are other signs that an, an addiction problem might be there. Um, people with addictive personalities. So um, when there's like mm. comorbid um, depression and anxiety mm. and people use substances to kind of fill those voids, those things can are problematic as well. Now, she, she says some buzzwords that leads right down to your street, Natalie. Mm-hmm. So, so with that, too, in terms of science, too, because some of that impacts um, mental health in terms yeah. of mood, right. um, behaviors, and things like that. So definitely being aware of if a person's, their level of irritability, if, if there's been a change in their personality changing their behavior so there's a lot of different things we can pay attention to if we are again aware of the people around us mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so Cherie said a couple of things like I said some bud words buzzwords like depression that's what you kind of deal with right now yes. with people that come and see you they're fighting some type of depression or they're in a depression state do you find that some of your clients are using in some kind of capacity I hate to say yeah, using that sure. sounds so Generic, but just they're sure, using yeah. some type of yeah. There's such a thing called co-occurring disorders, whereas there's the mental health piece like the depression, but then there's also the substance abuse as well. So oftentimes, when people are struggling with their depression or their mood or their anxiety, they just want to feel better. Mm. So I do have a lot of clients who's have social anxiety, and what do they do before they go out? They take a drink, and then, right. and then that has become a pattern, a habit, and then an addiction. Um, oh, wow. And so then that becomes a co-occurring. So there's already that anxiety there or that depression there. And on top of that, now we have the substance abuse as well. So, mm-hmm. yes, um, a few of my clients do struggle with, with both as a way of coping with their depression. They also now um, use as a result of that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And you're able to counsel or do you kind of recommend someone like Cherise to kind of... Yes. And so partnership part here? of the things we have to do, too, is it's hard to counsel someone if they are actively using right? Mm. Because, again, they're not in their best um, state of mind. Okay. Right? And right. so if they're actively using, we do recommend they go treatment for substance abuse first. Okay. And so, which is what a lot of what Sharice does okay. before they then start into all this other stuff. Oh, the counseling, the, the counseling aftermath, stuff, right. and try to function without right. that. Yeah, right. because if they're high or if they're drunk or if they're in another state, again, all this processing, they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. It's not sticking. Yes. Right? So, so help me understand a little bit of the counseling without... Um, you know, for the sake of people's privacy or things like that, but we just want to kind of get an insight of how this would work. So, and we let's use me an example, okay. right? And I'm clean. I don't, I don't have any. I do have an addiction. I work too much. Oh, well, that is. I'm a functioning yes. addict in that regard, but outside behavior. of that, addictive behavior. Stop. Yes. <laughs> I need to go talk to Natalie about that. Stop. So, yes, I have addictive behavior. So, but. Use me for an example. So let's say that I have a drinking problem, um, but I don't feel that I do. To Natalie's point, I get up every day and maybe I have something to drink to start the day. Then I come home and, man, what a day. Then I have a drink to end the day. Is that really an addict or is that just a person that likes to have something to drink? What do we think? So 
my standpoint, because this is literally the profile of client that I have. Okay. Um, so I'm trained in a technique called motivational enhancement therapy. Okay. And it basically is just that we play on your motivations. So mm. we make pros and cons lists. Okay. Mm. What are you getting out of drinking in the morning? And what's not working so well? Ooh. And we, you know, we roll with the ambivalence to change because you wake up in the morning to drink that you're getting some kind of benefit from that. Okay. So to stop that, you are going to lose something. You're going to sacrifice something. Mm. So in therapy with me, we talk about those things. We talk about, okay, what is that going to look like for you when you, mm. if you decide to stop? Okay. Um, and then we talk about how we move down in what we call the stages of change, mm -hmm. um, where we don't think we have a problem. Then, okay, maybe we do. All right, now we do. Okay. And then we do something about it, and then we sustain. Mm -hmm. um, now, in that, in those stages of change, we can go, there's, it's not linear, right? Okay. It goes back and forth. Right. Um, but yeah, in, in, in therapy with me, I teach them how to build skills and confidence to be able to make the plan. So if the plan is to only drink at night, okay, so what do we need to do in the morning to be able to get through to the day so that you can drink at okay. night? Okay. And if that's your goal, if mm -hmm. your goal is total abstinence, then what? how how can we build your confidence and your skills? And we go to Miss um, Natalie as well to kind of help and um, integrate that because especially if the individual has co-occurring um, disorders, treating one without the other is not as effective as a dual um, treatment. Okay, so. okay. I'm going to be devil's advocate, okay. right? I'm going I'm to be devil's <laughs> but advocate. But before, before you do Go that, ahead. so if the client comes to me first with that scenario, that is like Sharice mentioned, if it's something that they're needing in order to function, if they feel they need to have that drink of alcohol just to get through the day, then that is something to question. Okay. You know? And so then we do need to look into a substance, uh, substance abuse counseling for that because if that's something you're feeling, you can't go throughout the day without um, the need of that, mm -hmm. right? Because that's driving the motivation as well. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we've been referred. And I think that's, that's key. That's going to dim down my devil advocacy because... Um, uh, some people that drink feel that they don't need it, right? They just do it because they like it. They just like the way it tastes. Um, some of it might be tradition. Some of it might be, I don't want to say superstition, but maybe a practice to just say, you know what, I'm going to have this, whatever this is, to start the day off. And, you know, I'm good, and then I come home and I do something else. When I come home, I have another drink. In, in their mind, they're feeling like they're not an addict. They feel like they're fine because they're not giving up anything in lieu of doing this, right? They're not. They're just like, I'm doing this, I, I'm good. But it's not necessarily when I take this drink, I deplete in some other area of my life. They feel that they're okay. They're actually going through the day, not a problem. They're not really dealing with depression. They just like to have, they like the taste of it. Maybe it's a wine, maybe it's a bourbon, maybe it's a cognac, I don't know. Some people may take a tequila shot, don't know. Then you come home at night, same thing. So I think for some people that might be listening, this might be a very thin line in trying to identify whether or not they're an addict or not. And I'm picking on drinking because that's, yes. that's easily identifiable and I can give some examples in that regard mm -hmm. um, because that can be gray. Right. Because a lot of people can drink. They're not they don't have DUIs. They're not doing you know, they're not living a very 
um, complicated life, if you will. They just like to have, you know, like some people like to have cake and ice cream. You shouldn't have it all the time. Uh, you know what I mean? But we're, we're, we're doing it every yeah. day. So I think it's a very thin line. Um, there are some addictions, though, that you know. Um, and I'm, I'm going to stay with the drinking just a little bit more. Is it that when we become an addict, is it that uh, our eyes are red? Do we get slow in speech? Are there some other, like, visible indicators that we can see in a person? I'm going to have Sharice answer that. But before I do, too, is even in, in the, the person who might not see there's a problem, but then we have to also look at relationships. Mm. If, if, if it's creating a problem in relationships, okay. then there is a problem. Right. You might not see it's a problem, right. right? And so then we would ask that, that additional question, well, right. tell me about the people around you. Do you have friends? Are, are okay. there friends? Are, or are you in, or do you isolate, right? Mm. So when you're by yourself and alone, there may not be an issue, but then somebody who is alone and isolates, there, there, is, some, there is an issue with could that, be. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, how is it impacting your relationships at work, your relationships with your friends, with family? And so when you start having those type of conversations, other things come out, mm-hmm. right? In terms of what um, their mood or, or how they're relating to others. And then it's like, well, hmm, if, do you think this is this issue with this person, maybe that be due to the drinking? Right. And if yes, okay, then we got to figure out what to do about that. And if not, no, then we got to... Okay. question that but okay. that would be the additional questions in terms of you yourself may not see a problem but then now how is how are you in relation to the rest of the world mm. in relation to everybody else in your life mm. right mm. yeah that's important Sharice yeah. give me some signs some other signs I was saying um, um, just before Natalie asked her questions or provided some input is it redness of eyes is it slur speech is it just give me some indicators when we think and it could be on any type of mm-hmm. substance abuse or but what are some indicators that we might need to come see you or may need some help? So everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest things that I notice are the the isolation okay. of, of people. Mm-hmm. Um, irritability is a really big thing um, with alcohol okay. use and with um, with stimulants, the uppers and the downers mm-hmm. as well. When mm-hmm. individuals are not using those, um, a lot of times, especially with opioids, individuals will be going through active withdrawals. So they'll be sweating profusely, mm. vomiting, the shakes, restless leg is another thing. Okay, tremors, um, tremors so bad that like holding this cup of water, the water would spill out. Wow. Um, jaundice of the body because the liver doesn't work Ooh. anymore. Yeah. Um, smell as well because Ooh. other functionings. Um, are depleted because again our bodies are ingesting this foreign substance right. whether it's alcohol or um, prescription pills right. um, and especially with prescription pills um, the smell is bad too because it causes constipation um, mm. in the body so mm. yes and that's why the withdrawal symptoms are diarrhea because your body is now yeah you know, that's kind of graphic so yeah it's okay it's alright it's alright yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. a lot of physical symptoms. Teeth, people's teeth, teeth, depending on the drug. Yes, and um, right. uppers as well. Um, the um, individuals tend to pick at their faces, so it looks like acne, but they actually are um, picking at themselves, losing weight or gaining a lot of weight, um, especially with alcohol because of the carbohydrates and the sugar and alcohol. Lots of times. Um, so again, that I haven't met everyone who has substance issues, yeah. but those are just some of the things that I've seen. Wow. That's a lot of that's a lot of different stuff. In your opinion, Sharice and, and, and Natalie, you can chime in too because you get them from a 
mental mental health, depression, that type of thing. Is there one that is just one addiction that's just really the worst that's out here? In your in your in your experience and in, in your opinion, is there one that's worse than than all of them? Well, medically, any individual that is drinking, using benzodiazepines, which is the um, downers mm. or opioids, medically, I am concerned for them. The okay. Most. Okay. Um, with methamphetamine, there's not really a withdrawal um, symptom, the withdrawal medical withdrawal concern. Okay. There is a withdrawal concern because they are using the substance mm-hmm. for um, dependency, but um, not a necessarily a medical res- concern. Okay. So I'll have an individual that come in like, oh, I need to go to detox for methamphetamine. And it's like, no, you need to take a nap. And then we'll talk she about said it in the morning. No, <laughs> no it, it really is because it's a, it's an upper, right? So, yeah. a, so they're always up, 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 up. And okay. they stop, so they feel tired now. And it's like, no, you just need to take a nap. And then we'll start processing some of those things. Wow. Um, but with the alcohol and the other downers, the respiratory um, and the heart issues are really um, mm. medically concerning. Mm. So mm. we definitely want to get them into a facility, detox facility, get them um, under the supervision of a um, physician right. to, to help them before they can come back to see me or Natalie to start processing through okay. things. Okay. Right. But again, in, in some ways, all of them are equally de- detrimental yeah. outside of the medical piece to relationships, you know, because again, drugs have damaged so many relationships mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, marriages and, and parent-child relationships, mm-hmm. and so, um, and, and, and all the stuff that plays into in terms of abuse um, um, in the homes when mm-hmm. people are using and, and all those things, so that's pretty much, that's pretty detrimental in terms of all those other aspects, right. relationships and social aspects of, of drug use. Um, High in crime, crime rates, and all those things. Yeah, so it's detrimental in a lot of different ways. But medically, I can see how certain ones are even more so. Mm-hmm. Does environment play into our addictions? Locations, where we live, how we are raised, our environments play into that in most cases? Yes, absolutely. Accessibility to certain things, okay. right? Yeah. So if you live in a neighborhood where there's a liquor store on every corner, mm-hmm. um, that is just a part of it. And just, just like you were saying before, um, especially with alcohol, and I know we, we talk about alcohol the most, um, but we use alcohol to celebrate things. Yeah, we so do. We use alcohol when we're sad. And we we do. And we use it as a gift. And yeah. All these types of Entitlement. things. Entitlement. Entitlement. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of the mm-hmm. um, thing there. Yeah. Um, and then in the rural areas, it's a lot of working class people. So right. the stimulants are, um, what I've noticed, are really... Um, big in the rural areas because again with the manufacturing you have all this land and no one's out here and you're able to manufacture these large quantities and then take them back to the city and yeah so that's what I've noticed as far as environmental and socioeconomic things that come into Mm -hmm. it you know selling drugs that's been like a thing that's been um really perpetuated right um, you know, quick money, just mm-hmm. and then if you only seen that, then that's you know kind of the thing that you look forward to is yeah. being able to have that kind of clout. Mm-hmm. But then there's sometimes that people that have a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, is that a different style of addiction because of the money? Because now they can maybe get the prescribed drugs, or is it can is there a different level or tier of how people? get down with addictions? I would think so. I would think so, too. I've never experienced um, treating anyone on that level because I've worked in 
community mental health. I understood. Than, than I understood. I understood. Um, population mostly, um, but like to be honest, ninety about ninety percent of people who meet criteria for a substance use disorder don't get treatment. So it's you know you can never really? tell. Really. So that is why because a lot of times when they do end up in treatments, there's some kind of court demand, yes. and so so again, the, going back to that socioeconomic class, the person with money has a, the lawyers or, or have has lawyers or are able to hide their addiction a lot better mm. than the person who doesn't, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah, that socioeconomic plays a part in terms of treatment, in terms of um, um, again what gets to be seen versus what yeah. gets to be hidden, yeah. you know. So that plays a big part. But going back to the environmental piece, the Another thing before that, too, is that genetic piece. And, and mm-hmm. Therese oh, can yes. chime in because, again, there's research that shows, again, not only that addictive gene or personality with some of that, but also your chances of using has increased when you have a parent that used. Yeah. And let alone if you have two parents that use. Mm-hmm. So, again, you are, you're at high risk when um, you have parents or people mm-hmm. in your family that's used. So that's something to be aware of in terms of not just your environment, but also genetically. Mm-hmm. This is not something to fool with. Yeah. <laughs> you already got it in your... Yeah. And another thing I've learned from Natalie, so just, you know, she's my supervisor, mm-hmm. is those um, adverse childhood experiences yes. also play a role mm-hmm. into it. So trauma events usually yeah. um, can trigger yeah. um, substance use of some kind because of that emptiness that people feel and usually um, substances or the belonging that comes with mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. individuals kind mm-hmm. of are drawn to that yeah. you know, right. to be able to... Yeah be connected so do we find that addictions uh, are found more with men or with women what are you what have you experienced Sharice um I've experienced that men use a lot of different types of really? substances really? yeah and they usually OD more and okay. require hospitalization more than okay. women um but um and that men are in treatment more like um, mm. I've worked in residential facilities before, and it would be like a like seventy five percent men, twenty five percent women. Um, even right now in my groups, I have like um, mostly men in my uh, substance groups, and other than women. Mm. Um, but the cycle of addiction is a lot um, stronger with women, is what I what I've noticed, um, because women come into treatment and they get diagnosed, and so then they have that. Um, they have that cycle started, right? Okay. So you come into treatment, right. okay, I'm clean now, I went to 28 days or what have you, and then I've relapsed and I've, you know, I have these cravings. And now they are more, I guess, aware of their addiction okay. than men are. Okay. But I've noticed that men tend to have, are the poly substance users, um, all the whole gamut is what they call mm. it. So mm. that's what, just what I've noticed. Okay. Natalie, what have you seen? I mean, on, on your side, is it? A lot of your clients, is it more women or men that have been uh, fighting these addictions and then they come and see you? Um, I think um, in a lot of what Sharice mentioned, I think for um, for men versus women, there's, again, going back to with men, there's the crime. There's so many other things that makes what they do more noticeable than probably for women. Okay. Um, and for women... Um, they still, they're still functioning. They do a better yeah, job because they because they that, are yeah. because they have children. Yeah, they have children, children. and so um, they just do a I want to say a better job of dealing with their habit right, than yeah. doing right. in some ways. Um, and so, with that being said, because they're also their care, the caretakers of their children, um, 
and they don't get into treatment as often with mm. the men versus the men end up getting in treatment you know more often but um, I would say about half and half from what I've yeah. seen though mm. what's typically the breaking point for people before they come see either one of you is it that you know they've almost lost their life or they just figure you know enough or does someone have to drag them in is it usually some form of intervention or how do you get your how do we get to a place where we say enough is enough that rock bottom yeah. um it's literally a rock bottom everybody's rock bottom is different some people it is getting a a D on the test, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this Adderall isn't working anymore, and let me get help. Wow, she said this Adderall is not working anymore. Wow. I mean, yeah, and, th- and then it's, okay, I am facing 32 years in prison for my 6 DUI, so yeah, let me go into treatment. Wow. Um, so it's literally different for everyone. Um, most of my individuals that I see now are court-ordered to treatment, mm-hmm. um, and they are coming to treatment in lieu of being sentenced to going to prison. Okay. So, um... That's, that's definitely a rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. For some, but... I, I, and then again, a lot of them have been in other treatment facilities. So there's um, treatment inside of prison. There's treatment outside of prison. There's right. residential. There's 30-day, 60-day, and 90-day, and 6 months. And they, a lot of individuals that I see have had multiple episodes of treatment before they actually... All right, this is the time I'm going to do it mm. so um but everyone's different than some people never step foot in a treatment facility and they've been clean for 20 25 30 years so mm. it's literally that mm. motivation piece like what it what it what, what is are that you driver? what yes. are you getting out of this what do you what want is the driver yeah. so it's just really tapping into the driver of the motivation and yeah but it, but it does take shifting a lifestyle too, yes right? yes it is a lifestyle yeah. change if you're wanting to stay clean if you want mm. to stay clean yeah mm. How many times, um, sometimes um, with with people that are surviving domestic violence, you know, it's been said that sometimes uh, a woman may leave that domestic si- uh, domestic violence situation maybe about seven times. Mm-hmm. She'll leave and she'll come back. She'll leave and she'll come back about seven times for love, maybe fear, maybe economics. She's not able to stay on her own or whatever. But it's it's a it's a us several amount of times that they go back and forth is that a similar kind of style for for people that are fighting addictions that it's repetitive cycles like it takes a minute before they are able to really kick it or do, do they find other addictions like they may knock one down and then let me try something else or yeah some and again everyone's different but um so the statistic is about 30 percent of people who enter treatment mm-hmm. um, and, and complete treatment because again when you're in treatment you can leave and come as you go mm-hmm. as you want mm-hmm. um, about 30% of people who enter treatment and complete treatment are successful for two to five years following that episode okay. and so after that five year mark there's not really a lot of data to support if they have continued okay. in that Okay. Um, so that's 70% of people will relapse mm. Um according to the statistics. Okay. So I guess it's similar to yeah, that almost. cycle. Um, but I thought, I always thought that once you're, an, I'm doing air quotes, an addict, that you always have to keep yourself tied to some form of treatment or counseling or some group or something sure. to help you because it's just not that easy to... Just kinda... like physical ailments. So let's say you are diagnosed with diabetes mm-hmm. and you 
take the medication and you get your levels right. you know, right. down, you have to continue to work to that. You have to continue to cultivate that okay. because you don't want your levels to go back up. You don't want to have to get back on medication. Mm-hmm. Similarly with um, addiction, you want to maintain that. And yes, the 12-step meetings, um, uh, one of them... Al-Anon, mm-hmm. Naranon, um, one of the mantras that we use a lot is connection is the opposite of addiction because as long as you are connected to something, someone, um, a force higher than yourself, mm-hmm. then it's um, easier to be able to hold on to that recovery lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, Which is why it's all about a lifestyle change, mm-hmm. you know, that maintenance that you're speaking of and, and that because you could, you could, and the thing about this society, alcohol is in everything. Right. You know, drugs is a part of the norm. You know, kids are using marijuana and all that stuff. It's just part of the norm of the culture. And so when you're when you're making a decision to not do this, yeah, it's, it's a constant awareness in your mind. Oh, I could easily fall back into this mm-hmm. um, addiction. And so, yeah, it's it's um becomes a lifestyle change. The people you hang around, you can't hang around the people you used to hang around. Right. Um, you might not be able to frequent, um, a, let's say, a bar. You know, someone else can't, but then being around people that drink, frequent a bar, because who knows what may trigger you. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that awareness, yeah. that awareness is, is constantly there. So, yeah, in some ways you're always an addict in that it may come back. Those, those sensations may come back. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling that, that caused you to use, I, I was watching a show, um, oh, I forget the name of it. It's, it's a show on CW, and this young lady, she... Um, had overdose on drugs and part of her issue as to why she started using is her brother is a football star and the father is a football coach and feeling invisible in her family and so um, that feeling of invisibility led her to drug use and then that gave Mm. her attention that gave her um, people started to notice her and so then she got she overdosed and she ended up in treatment and got clean a year later She's been clean a whole year, and this feeling of invisibility came back. Oh, she no. was in a situation where she felt invisible again. And in that instant, she's like, I just wanted to use in that instant. I felt this because in the past, when she felt this, she would use to feel right, better. Right, 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 right. So in this moment, she felt this invisibility. But this time, she had the awareness yes. and the knowledge to know, oh, I felt this. And this is what I wanted to do. But I know I, I should. Mm. Right. And mm. so, yeah, that addiction is always there in terms of what what triggered you. Right. You know, what's going to trigger you. And so, yeah, it's important to be aware and mindful mm. at all times. And so the lifestyle change is really important. And having support and connections, mm. healthy supports and connections healthy. are, yeah. are healthy. very important. Healthy. healthy supports and connections. And I think that's what it is for most people or for some people. They feel like they've had a good run. Things are going very well. They've made some adjustments. And they feel that they're able to stand on their own. Like they've maybe they've overcome their demons, so to speak, which is really maybe the triggers, as you've mentioned. And they feel like they're able to come out or they're they're able to be in those settings or those surroundings. And the triggers are not going to impact them because they're good. They've been good for like a year, two years. But it's it's just a very vulnerable place, isn't it? Yeah, it is very vulnerable in that, you know, life is full of. Everything, yeah. everything can create some type of emotional instability. Yeah. And so one thing I tell clients, and, and I truly believe this, as therapists, we provide this support for people, and it could be for a lifetime, depending on mm. the individual. And so when client says, you know what, I'm okay now, and I'm like, great, 
And then I would also give them permission to know yes. at any time you're not okay, it's okay to come, to back. come back. Because tomorrow could bring so many mm-hmm. stuff that could trigger all type of things. And it's not necessarily because something I should be able to handle this or I'm strong right, or something's right, wrong. Right. No, it's like life brings what it brings. It sure and sometimes does. we need the support. So it's okay to know, okay, I'm good now. Yes. And then when I'm not good, I get and seek the help that I need. Yeah. And support that I need. And 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 that's where we need to get because there's a lot of stigma associated yes. with substance use, which is why people don't go get treatment, which mm. is why when they are in treatment, they're so resistant to treatment yeah. because mm. of the stigma. Um, but then when we could, again, try to take away some of the stigmas of mental health and of substance abuse, then that gives people permission to know, you know, I, I, I do have this problem and I need help and it's okay. Give me some of the stigmas, Natalie. Like, what do we immediately think mm-hmm. that they're failures or we think they're, they're failures they're we weak. think they're criminals Criminal. we think they're weak yeah we think they're, yeah they're not strong-minded mm. um, um they're always depressed or whatever we just feel like they're losing around. their mind right. they're, they're slightly crazy or a little off right right all of that all of those kind of stigmas so yeah, they're not there's all kinds of there's all kinds of stuff when, right. when that those things could be things that could happen to anyone again right. that's a choice to to cope and deal with whatever it is they have going on they chose to use right. whatever right. their way of coping is. Right. Somebody else may have chosen to work themselves. <laughs> Somebody else chose to, to gamble or to gamble or shop. Some shops, some, shop, some, shop, some people or eat. Some eat, eat sex, sex There's all another kinds one. of another ways we, mm. we cope because in that moment, whatever it is we're doing, that's what makes us feel good. Yeah, it right? numbs, it numbs. numbs I'm going to speak from the working addiction. Uh, addiction. It numbs, <laughs> it numbs. <laughs> Whatever you're feeling, but in all fairness, there are triggers. There are certain things that trigger me. Even though I'm not on the addictions we're talking about today, there are some things that I have to stay away from. Natalie and I talked about healthy relationships. Yes. I mm-hmm. still listen to that because it helped me. I was on her couch that day. I, was, I allowed myself to be it. But I realized in that conversation that you do have to change your environment. Yeah. And there are some triggers that it, even if you see a name go across your phone, oh, sure. it just goes and it takes you in a place and a time that either was really, really good or really, really not good. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't help you in the current state that you're in now. So that's why sometimes there's some there's some people that you can be friends with your ex. And sometimes you'd be like, no, because it just <laughs> right. because yeah. it just takes you to a place. Right. And it's the triggers, and then it's a whole different thing. And so you're creating this lifestyle. Like, you're trying to get out of this dependency. Like, you feel like this addiction or whatever, the substance abuse or whatever you're using is some kind of dependency, and you're trying to get to a place that you're no longer dependent upon that. So you need to stay away from those things that make you feel like you need those those sure. those addictions and those yeah. things, right? Sharice yeah, yeah. is smiling. Uh, yeah, those associations, we have a thing called yeah. people, places, and things. Okay. Those are the things that we break it down. Okay. So a lot of times and when I'm in treatment, I get the individual and I say, okay, are you willing to factory reset your phone? Because. Wow, she said factory, factory reset, reset the phone. Because we can, we can we can delete Ooh. the text, right? We can delete the, the, phone, the, <laughs> yes. um, the text thread. We can delete right. the, the um, contact. But the number's but still the number's there. Still, and then the iPhone, pesky little iPhone, just remind us of those people. Does it? <laughs> it does, right? <laughs> so, and, and that's kind of where I start with that, Ooh. especially when we do a relapse prevention planning. Yes, relapse prevention. Because, you know, while we can't, you know, 
make sure that we never relapse, we can put a plan in place. So, part, are you ready to reset, or reset your phone? If they say no, okay. So what are we going to do instead? Because those associations of those people, with those things, and those places, that, that street you drive down every day that had your drug dealer on it, okay, so is there another route we can go? Right. You know, Definitely. um... Well, you can't go to McDonald's anymore because when you went to the bathroom at McDonald's, you were always shooting up heroin. So, okay, let's let's figure out where we're going to eat. We can go to Five Guys now, you know, and we really talk about that, especially in the prevention standpoint. Yeah. Because at this point, we're trying to change our lifestyle. We're trying mm. to do something different. So if you're not ready to do something different, then, okay, what are you willing to do? Yeah. Just to add to what she said, too, because the other thing, too, is you... For those people who are wanting to make a change, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You want to make the change. Doesn't mean everybody else wants you to change. Come on right? now. Come and on. So then the other piece why that <laughs> relapse plan is so important because you're, you believe you're strong enough to make the change. But mm-hmm. guess what? That ex who got you into alcohol is like, come on, come drink with me. Yeah. You know, you're, way those, fun, those, you're way more fun when you're yeah, drinking. Right. So you're these other people are, are still who they are. Yeah, you know, and so and it's and and, and many times we're thinking, oh, they need to ch- they they need to change too, but it's not up to them. To, it's, we do we have to do the work for ourselves right? for ourselves for because ourselves. people are still going to be who they are. And guess what? Oftentimes, in relationships, people see us in 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 that initial. So if they knew know us as the user, mm-hmm. that's how they're always going to see us. Yeah. That's how they're going to relate to us. Yeah. That's how they're going to converse with us. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, which is why again. Yeah, that comp- so to think you know I could resist, it's great. But then you don't have to believe you could resist. We could just put things in place so that you don't even have to yeah, deal with this yeah, at all. Yeah, that the concept um, I teach because we keep using the word strong. I teach yeah. smart versus strong. So oh, you okay. can only be strong for so long, like physically. Right. You know, you, we can be strong until something heavier comes to mm-hmm. test our strength. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but to be smart, to be able to face that thing and 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 to hold that weight differently to be able to still hold it up, you know, mm-hmm. it's different than just our brute force of, yeah. like, willpower. Yeah. It's different from, like, having the tools in place and having the things set up for us to overcome these yeah. things yeah. as they come. Because, it's, yeah. It's a real serious thing. I happen to, I was reading a book this week about Stevie Nicks. I like Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. I do. Flea with Mag, the whole yeah, thing. Flea, yeah. And she talked about her addictions. Like they, um, when they first got together, was all about cocaine and tequila, <laughs> drinking and snorting. And then, you know, their first album, they weren't doing it, uh, of course, because they didn't have the money and the access. Right? It's about accessibility. They weren't making any money at first. So after that first album went and sold millions of, of, of records, um, the money started flowing. And the access to different people and the drug dealers and just it was just going on and people started to convince them that they made they sounded better because they were just high when they wrote music and this and that when stevie decided like uh, this i gotta stop this like because she had sniffed so much cocaine like her nose was was about to fall off literally that's what they said in the book so she decided okay I, i gotta stop this lifestyle and so to both of your points especially natalie's the people around her didn't want her to change because it was a matter of them feeling comfortable about who they were when she was around them in that state. So they didn't want her to they didn't want her to kick it. They didn't want her to stop it. Of course, people felt um, 
their money uh, wasn't getting, their pockets weren't getting fat anymore because she wasn't buying, right? right? So when you're buying drugs for everybody or just everybody's getting high all the time, it's a good feeling, it's a good sensation. But when you stop, then it separates who's really with you for you yeah. versus who's really with you because you provide or you're a different person. You seem more fun. You seem more free. You seem da-da-da-da-da-da-da when you do it. So it's, it's a real serious thing. It's a, you know, it shakes out who's selfish. There's a lot of selfishness involved in sure. it, right? Because when you're doing it, you're doing it for your own selfishness because you want to feel and be a certain way. There might be some adversity. There might be some... Something that's facing or something that's going in, going on inside of you and you feel like, I need some extra help. And then when you are open about it with a certain population of people that may do a similar thing, then it's all good. It's all cool in the game. But then when you decide to change that lifestyle, it's a loneliness period. Am I right about it? You're lonely. Um, the loneliness kicks in because you can't pick up the phone and call those same people. You can't be in the same space. You might have isolated the ones that really loved you as they were telling you you had a problem and you didn't want to listen. So it's a whole reset, not only just your phone, but your whole life yes, yes. has to be reset and renewed. Um, let me ask about this because, unfortunately, when people are suffering mentally or anything to do with their health, I feel like there's always an opportunity for people to gain money in some kind of way, maybe pharmaceuticals. Um, um, even I'm going to use Stevie again. Even as she tried to beat one addiction, she had a doctor feeding her prescribed medicine to help her beat the other addiction that she had. Do you find that some of your clients are having to deal with that a little bit? Um, yes. So not so much now that I work in community mental mm -hmm. health because we don't prescribe narcotics. Okay. We're not allowed to. Okay. But um, in yesteryear, that used to be a thing. Right. And even now in detox, um, Ativan is prescribed to help with the um, with the detox protocol. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of people will feign detox symptoms to go get Ativan. Ativan is one of the downers. Okay. So they will say that they're going through withdrawal for alcohol to go into a facility to get another downer. Mm. So, um, and then there's other, um, other pharmaceutical routes. Um, there's methadone and suboxone for the opioid addictions. And then there's Vivitrol mm. as well. Vivitrol is a blocker, mm -hmm. um, uh, for opioids and it curbs the cravings for alcohol. Okay. Um, and it's in a pill form and an injection form. But again, those things are yeah. very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very expensive. So a lot of people don't have access to, to be that. able to, yeah, mm -hmm. to, to do that. But like you were saying before, those people who are in higher socioeconomic yeah. spaces are able to get the injections and get the nurses to come in and give them the things for their detox and that way. So yeah, there's there's certain implications there. There's a lot of things going on. Like you turn on the TV and you see prescribed medicine. Yes. And drugs, I, I don't know what they're for. I have to really pay attention to what they're saying and not saying to understand, oh, is this for high blood pressure? Is this for um, my sex, sex drive? Right. Like, I'm trying to figure out, and I'm like, you're just, you got it going across, and then, like, again, too much of any one thing is, like, no good, good, right? But to bring back to your point again, um, like any like any addiction or any behavior, if I'm if we're saying you know what we can no longer do this, 
right? And so, yes, there's something else we could replace it with. And so there's this, there's do another healthier drug or this mm-hmm. other more prescribed drug or legal drug or whatever. But again, even in eliminating all of that, now what do we replace it with? Which is what the relapse plan is all about, which is why the changing of the lifestyle becomes so important. Because in lieu of this time, this is in the past, it used to drink, used to do mm-hmm. drugs, used to do all this. Now what are you going to do when those urges come? Right. What are you going to do now with this time? Yeah, we have to replace that with something, mm. right? And so how do we replace it in the, with the most the healthiest thing that yeah. we can find? Yeah. You know, um, and so it is about now talking to clients about, uh, some of clients are figuring out who they are. You know, mm-hmm. if you've been using drugs as a way to, to, to function for so long, now, how, you know, how about exercising? Let's try something like that. Have you ever tried taking a paint class? Have you ever tried um, um, going for hikes or going for walks? Have you tried something else? Because now we gotta we got to substitute that, that time with something else that's mm-hmm. appropriate and that's healthy mm-hmm. um, outside of the, the drugs and outside of the prescription drugs and all that stuff too. Because, again, it does – because that feeling will still come, whatever yeah. that feeling is in terms of – um, feeling invisible or if it's the urge those urges may come and then what do you do and that's mm-hmm. a lot of what that relapse prevention is is about creating healthy and appropriate things putting people those things person things and places putting things in that that is appropriate that's healthy that's going to um, empower and enhance you and make you be your best versus again keep you in that state of, of um, drug use or substance use yeah if somebody comes to one of us, somebody who's not skilled, right, and they say, you know, I have this problem, this addiction, I'm, I'm on prescribed drugs, what, what can we do to help them? What is the first plan of action as someone who is not experts like yourself mm-hmm. to do to help someone if somebody came to one of us and say, I got this, hat, I got this thing, yo. I just can't stop sniffing cocaine every day. What, what is the first thing we should do or should do? To well, help them. show empathy to the person. Okay. Um, obviously. Okay. You know, um, because, again, there's a certain amount of stigma and shame that comes with admitting that you yes. have a problem. Yes, yes. Because that makes a difference. How, yeah. you, how you respond, how you respond. let them know, mm, should I tell people yeah. or should I not? Should I go to treatment or should I, should I not? So that empathy and validating mm-hmm. how they're feeling is critical. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, and then... Just depending on where you live and what resources you have, mm. um, especially in the state of Georgia, um, each county has a community service board. Okay. Um, for individuals, um, they're usually on a walk-in basis. They can go into, they can Google whatever county they are and find the community service board um, and walk in and do an intake process and get treatment started that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there are hotlines you can call. Um they have we have the what, the Georgia Crisis Line. Mm-hmm. You can call the Georgia Crisis Line. Um, and, and the Georgia Crisis Line, it, depending on what kind of crisis you're in, they come to you. They can come to you. Oh, really? Yeah, come to you and do assessment. Yeah, for mental health as well as substance abuse. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So come and do the assessment to see what level of care you need to be placed in. If you need to go to detox, if you need to come to a center like mine mm-hmm. or go to a facility um, where Natalie would work, um, they could come out to you depending on the level what your Mm-hmm. what your needs are at that point. But I think the the biggest thing that a lot of my clients um, are noticing or have are, have reported to me is this empathy and just like, okay, okay. Let's, let's, let's do okay. this. And, and there's a thin line between empathy and feeling sorry yes. or coddling yes. or enabling. just enabling mm-hmm. the behavior and then it continues. So it's a 
we have to be careful as to what we share and how we get them on the right road, right? Yes, because that, that start, it starts out with the good intentions, right? Because right. you want to be able to right. help them, especially if they're going through a drug, you don't want to see your loved one sick. So, okay, mm-hmm. well, let me, give, let me give you some more money so you won't be sick today, and then we'll get you the treatment tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, acting immediately, want, it's, it's the huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so calling the crisis line, calling, there's so many things. There's the... Um, the American Society for Addiction Medicine, you can Google that. And then there's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Um, SAMHSA. 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 SAMHSA, yeah. Um, and <laughs> just acting immediately is the the, the biggest thing. Okay. Getting If they're coming to you right then seeking help, yeah, seeking definitely help. acting immediately. Because, again, a few hours later, things may change. Things you know, so getting them the help right away, and holding people accountable. So there is different mm-hmm. with them being empathy and validating feelings, yet at the same time, you, you hold them accountable for the things that they've done and for the things that they need to do and doing the work. And so oftentimes what makes things, that cycle that you talk about, um, is the enabling. We, t- we tend to, because we don't want to see our loved ones, like you said, hurt yeah. or in pain or suffering. So we tend to make excuses. We tend to enable. We tend yeah. to dismiss. And when we have to hold them accountable for, mm. for their behavior. And a lot of thing going back to behavior and symptoms regarding substance abuse is those sneaky behaviors mm. and um, um, hiding and, and doing that, all those type of things. And Sharice mm. can speak more about what all those things are. Um, but again, when we don't hold people accountable, they'll just continue to do what right. they do, manipulation. Um, mm. But again, we have to hold them accountable. No, you need to get work. You need to go get treatment. No, this is not okay. And, and um, rather than um, rationalizing what they do right. or, you know, all those things. So we could empathize and say, hey, I, I could imagine that you're in pain, that you're hurting. However, you, you need to go get the help. It's not okay that you do this. Mm. And, get, and get the help that you need. And setting boundaries and being consistent boundaries. in your boundary. Mm. Um, so yes. if I told you, hey, Michelle, we are going to treatment tomorrow. If you do not come to treatment with me tomorrow, I am going to call 911 and have someone take you to treatment wow. or get an order. Wow. And tomorrow morning you come to me and, no, Sharice, I don't want to. That is up to me. Now, I have to be accountable for what I said. I said I was going to call the authorities right. to come get right. you. I need to do that. And right. a lot of times people feel... That's hurting you. Yeah. But it's, it's, that's the feeling sorry part. That's the right. feeling sorry part. Like, oh, yeah. she said she yeah. needs to go to work. She needs to put the yeah. kids, whatever, whatever. But holding ourselves accountable for our what we said that we're going to help our loved one. Mm. That's that's important too. Mm-hmm. So because well, that happens so. But it's a very difficult place and space to be in mm-hmm. because you never want to see somebody that you care about hurting right. in any kind of capacity, whether it's emotional or financial or definitely on an addiction then when you're living with someone and you're seeing them having to go through this it, it, it's an enormous amount of strain and pain on them any suggestions let me start with you Natalie anything that we can say to those people that are living with people that are trying to fight these addictions that's that is that's hard. That's heavy. tough. Yeah, that's, that's a real discussion. I, I, I refer them to Ooh, that. Ooh, yeah, that's that way. White tail yeah. is over here. Because it's heavy. But it's, it is, a, but, it's but a real it's thing. A lot of, a lot it's of a real thing. In that. Yeah. Right. And, then, and then the one who is um, sober or who's functional, right. is the burden of everything falls and on that person. On them. Right. And um, 
you know, I've had clients where that's the case. The, the, let's say the husband is not working, the mother's the one, and the wife is the one doing everything and trying to keep the peace, trying to keep, make things every. And then that's the other thing, too, that in terms of the secrecy and mm-hmm. the hiding, because they don't want it to look... Um, yeah, like they're dysfunctional, dysfunctional, like things are going public, on. So that they're hiding things and making everything seem okay in the family when that's not the case. So that's a lot. Um, definitely getting into support groups when you need wow. to. Okay. Um, sometimes having those hard discussions, because again... Um, when we talk about setting boundaries, there are some things that's not okay. If someone is not choosing to go get help and they need to and is creating problem now for you and your children, um, do you have to stay in that? You it's know, not so for Natalie to say. She's just it, asking it, the I'm question. I'm asking the question. Right. So, you know, and right. so that's a question I do have people. How, how much are you willing to do? You know, because again, are you willing to do this? And because if they're not willing to do their part, that means now you got there's things you got to do. Yeah. You know, how how long are you willing to do that? Um, you know, interestingly, in terms of my story, I've had a situation like that, and, and at some point I was not willing to do it um, because again. People have to be held accountable for their for their thing. Really? So, I, mean, I made a choice to 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 leave that situation. That was one of the questions. I I, I, I know. I saw I, that. I, 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 right. Whether or not I wanted to, to yeah, I shared I, I shared with I clients. Was, I wasn't going to ask. I was like, this forum. Um, yeah. um, so so, but yes. So because again, in my situation, in living in that situation, yeah, things came up missing. Um, right, person would disappear for days at a time. A car would disappear. Things, you know, um, everything may appear functional, um, but in the home you see everything. Like you know, my jewelry's gone. When we report to work, show up, the, and then after a while, that becomes a lot to, yeah, to, it's a to, lot to take in. To take in, and then the instability and consistency and, and the chaos and all that, because you're not sure when, what, right. what's going to happen. And I knew at some point for me, this is not something that I wanted to do long term. Got you. I did not want to do that long term um, because we're all adults and and I'm here to support you, but you have to do your part. Yeah, I did it well. Um, so, wow. so that's something I, I chose to get out of that situation. So, You know, this show brings it out. Thank you, Natalie, for sharing that. Because I was like, I was going to ask to have you, either one of you, had to deal with somebody with with addiction personally. Yeah, and and, and with with this individual, um, again, no one could ever tell because he would present well. When Mm -hmm. he comes around, everything looks well. But Mm -hmm. then when he's pride with men, there's that too. Mm. Um, With him pride, so when he was in his state, he would disappear. Mm disappear and you wouldn't know what's going on but then right. when he reappears oh you look, you look fine yeah everything's well <laughs> um, right but then you were gone somewhere and then came out um and again with him in terms of his story has his own set of traumas went into the military he was a marine which again the military has a lot of substance um stuff going on and i'm sure sharice can talk about oh, that but yeah. um you know a lot of the things he did was part of the military and then again mm. things take over Oftentimes we think we can control and manage, right. and next thing you know, you do something one time, two times, three times. After a while, it just becomes a, a pattern, a habit, yeah. and now an addiction. Um, but, yeah, so I know it was tough living in that home. Not sure what you're going to find when you walk in the door or what's missing. Or, mm. or, or um, And I knew I did not want that. She After said all she my jewelry's it. gone and no. all my... She said, no, no I do I not want that. that so Good I made for a choice you. To, to leave that. Good for you. Congratulations on that. I want to talk about the branches, the military, though, because that's a very good point. Because a lot of people go into the armed services, armed forces, and they do that. 
but it's just it's just a different way of life mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's a coping mechanism when you come out of that. And it's just sometimes it's just behavior. You're in different ports. You're doing different things in different countries. There's nothing else to do. Nothing but maybe to drink. You have access to that. You have access to other things because in other countries, certain things are legal and they're not, <laughs> and they're not legal here. So you're, you're living abroad and you're doing these things and then you come here and you still have this part of your human nature, part of your lifestyle. Have some of your clients been in the military that are trying to fight some of these addictions? Yeah, um... A lot of them, and I even have my own personal experience because I was in the military. I was going to add, I was going to turn the table in just that. a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're right. Like, um, my first duty station was Okinawa, Japan, and the drinking air, the drinking age in Japan was 20. So, um, underage drinking was right. not really existent because existing. everyone, everybody can drink, everyone can drink, and um. Like you said, and being on an island, island fever, and just... Yeah, just being away from just home. Just being away from home, and coping, and we're all 19, 20, 21 yeah, years old. people starting to look good. They didn't look good before. <laughs> with a couple of shirts, and then, you know, they ain't looking too bad. Then it's the whole dynamic and trajectory changes. Because it's just, it's got a little help from a substance. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't say I came out unscathed there. Yeah, I had okay. my own ex situation right. yeah, from yeah. that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so coming home from because I spent four hundred days in Afghanistan. Um, so coming home, it was celebratory. And yes, we did, and yeah. finally you made it home. Or right. we lost people, and like, yes, let's you know memorialize them. Mm. So it's it's ah oh, the culture. It's. That's a whole nother thing. I'll bring you back when we talk about that. Because I know some military people and they have some things that they've overcome where they can really share it and some transparency. And just, you know, as a parent, I used to say to my son, like, if you don't go to college, you may have to go in the military. I'm retracting that statement. I'm retracting that statement. Because it's not as ideal as the commercials Yes. lead you to think to believe it's a it's very difficult for it's, some the motivation again yeah is, is what it is because my motivation to go into military was to pay for school understood and i got it got yeah. all my degrees without none nice. student loan <laughs> so <laughs> i did that right so that was my motivation that's what i that's my lifestyle change okay now i have met people who Went to the military to make a bunch of money so that they continue to do the negative things that they were doing before. And they have, like, more access to things. And they usually get discharged Mm -hmm. dishonorably or other than honorably. Mm -hmm. So life will let you do exactly what you want to do. That's heavy. It really will. Like, so we have to live with the intention to to do what we want to do. You know, our results come from what our intentions are. If I say I want to lose 20 pounds... And I'm still sitting over here drinking milkshakes. Man, I had some cookies last night. I was like, gotta lose this weight. But sure enough, my hand sure went in the bag and pulled out and a pulled co- it out. Cookies are my weakness. Golly, they can't even be in the house. I digress. I digress. Go. That's your lifestyle change. That's my lifestyle change. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get, it's got to be like, so I'm going to tell Christopher, don't put it in the buggy no more. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. it's changed. You have to make changes. 
I want to commend you on, on who you are and how you maneuver through the clients and the patients and the people that you have to work with. Because I can imagine it's not easy. So I'm going to ask you, what is your self-care? Like, what do you do to detach from having to deal with people? Because you have empathy and you have to hold people accountable. And it's very tough conversations and interactions that you both have to have with people. Because people are coming to you with some form of an illness or some cry for help, whether it's mentally for Natalie or for with the addiction on you. So what do you do to make sure you stay Sharice? So I stay connected to Natalie. Oh, I really do. Um, she is an awesome winning. clinical supervisor. Yeah. So I have to get how many hours? 3,000 hours of direct service. Okay. And I, have to, and I see her for three hours a month and I talk process it out with the her. Do. To process the cases. Talk about the things. Talk about either my own countertransference okay. that okay. comes up. Um, countertransference is when I can see something in the individual that triggers my own mm. experiences. So we talk about all those things. Mm. Um, I like to read. Mm. I like to write. Mm. I really love research and things like that. So yeah. I love helping Natalie mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot there. Um, and then most recently, I have been getting more my own connections back with my family. Okay. Friends, okay. People. So, mm-hmm. that's, so that's what helps you balance it all out. Because yes. it's a lot. And it's smiling. Lot. I, like, a, I smile a lot. Yeah, she has a very beautiful <laughs> smile. Has mine beat hands down. Cherise is a beautiful one over here. Natalie, what do you do for your self-care? Because you talk to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and the people that come see you are in denial. They don't have a problem. Right, right, right. And so first is recognizing that... Um, I can't work harder than the individual. Mm-hmm. So with every piece ah. of the, with every piece of with everything, is recognizing that this this work is for you. I'm here to support you. As one of my colleagues says, I'm kind of the navigator. Mm. You tell me where you want to go, and I'll help you get there. Wow. Um, and so recognizing that sometimes we do find ourselves working harder than mm. the clients, and that could be exhausting. Mm. But again, recon, you know, recognizing that this is work is for you. It's beneficial, and and a lot of my the first time I meet clients, I do tell them. That's great that you're here, and it's really good that you're here, and we could get a lot of work done. So therapy, I'm all for it. Um, our mental health is really, really important, and we need to take the time to care for it. And it's an ongoing process because life brings all type of stuff. Yes. Um, so making sure I take care of my mental health, and part of that is protecting my peace, protecting um, be- because I see clients day in, day out, I'm very um, cognizant and mindful and intentional what all I, I, I watch on TV, mm-hmm. what all I okay. live, pay attention to, what all is on social media, the news. I don't watch the news intentionally. If there's something I need to hear, I'll go research it right, specifically right, right, so, right. because there's just so many things. Mm-hmm. And everything that we experience brings brings an emotional response, mm-hmm. brings thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we think about it. Yeah. And so. I'm very aware of that for myself, so I make sure that I keep myself in a place of peace and calmness, um, and I, that's intentional. And so I do yoga, um, I do Zumba class, I love dance, I love going to the beach, I love vacation, you know, and, and daily, I, you know, making sure I take time to breathe, making yes. sure I'm paying attention to what my body's telling me, and then not ignore it, because again, things worsen because we tend to ignore, dismiss, and, and just kind of put everything in a box, and then... Because life is life, yeah. and we, we're, if we're constantly doing that, guess what starts to happen to that box? That box gets big and big, big, big and big, big. that's what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It's heavy and heavy and heavier, and, and like Sharice said, no matter how strong we are, and again, it's, it's not just about being strong, no matter how, even five pounds of something, 
if I'm carrying it for 10 hours, that five pounds it gets heavy. starts getting heavy. It gets doesn't heavy. matter what it is. So we do, so we have to learn how to let go of certain mm. things, how to unload. And therapy is all about that and, and putting things in place. Self-care mm. is about that. So I am all about oh, self-care. so good at self-care. I wish... I, oh, I know she's good. We'll, I like that. We're working on that. Yeah, well, yes, we yeah. are. I'm sure we get at self care. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get there. You're you're on your way. There's yeah. no there's no problem. Natalie's really good. When I when again when the person brought this topic to me, I was like, I don't. And Natalie's one of the first people I reached oh. out to because I respect what she does and how she does it. And she was quite honest. And well, it's not really my forte, but I think I have somebody in mind, and hence I have you. Oh, hello. So, I, so this was great. And I didn't understand the relationship until today. So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming to do this. So, Cherise, how can people find you? If people need, like, some kind of help. Listen, I got a brother. He's not doing well. We may need to check you out. How, do, how can people get a hold of you through the services that you provide? Well, um, because I'm associate licensed, I don't have any independent practice. Understood. Um, but again, I work at a community service board. Um, I work in the Gwinnett, Rockdale, Newton mm, area. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just researching whatever county you live in to go to the community service board. Um, but yeah, I don't practice independently. So Understood. I don't really Understood. Just in case people want yeah. to reach out, uh, you wanted to have a question or yeah. anything like that. Oh, you want to see my personal debauchery? No, uh, no, 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 okay. no, no. We're fine. We're fine on that. Natalie, how can the people find you? Yeah, definitely. So um, I have again a private practice, esteem counseling and consulting services. I am on um, Instagram, on Facebook mm-hmm. under esteem counseling services. Um, people can reach me via email, DM me. Um, so just put Natalie Ellis or Esteem Counseling Services and you'll find She's me. She's wearing a shirt today. This is my logo, so she says, you'll see it. Shirt. She's so cute. She's, she's, that's how I found Natalie on Instagram. I did. She did. She I, did. did. I like what she was doing. Are you still doing the, the conversations on Wednesday? I am. I am still doing that. And what is the title? What is it called? So it's called Ask the Therapist. Um, so I do that on Wednesdays at noon. And um, last week, well, before Mother's Day, I did two. I did a one that Wednesday, and then I did one, I think, Thursday evening. Because, again, Mother's Day is a hard time for everyone. So, again, yes. when people have loss, loss is a big part that, that, that lead people to substance use sometimes mm-hmm. when they've lost someone. And um, Mother's Day is a rough time for, for a lot of a lot individuals. A lot of people, yeah. And so, um, so I did that. Yes, ask the therapist. So definitely if people have questions or if there's certain topics that I want to talk about, then I'll just go on Instagram Live on Wednesdays at noon and just kind of talk about that topic. So mm-hmm. that's been going well. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of takeaways here. Um, again, we you know we picked on alcohol just because that's just an easy pick. And that's no diss to anything or anybody. It was just, a, just an easy example for me to kind of facilitate and navigate this conversation. But any form of addiction is really something really serious and it's really critical. And hats off to everybody who's beat their addiction um, or in the process of beating it because it's not easy. You know, I'm I'm sitting here 
la la la, making, um, trying to be as light about the topic as possible, but it's a really serious thing. There are uh, quite a few people that are fighting or dealing with different addictions as we speak that are in our homes, and we don't even know how to how to embrace that, how to handle that. And every day is a every day is a challenge. Every day is an opportunity. It's a new adventure. We're not really sure what we're going to get from the person that we love or we care about. So again, uh, today was just really to try to raise the vibration and the awareness about these addictions being real. It's not a demonic thing. It's not you losing your mind. It's it's something that is going on with you and that there are different ways to get help. And um, as my people said today, that you have to be willing to put in the work and then they'll, they'll meet you where you are. So it, the first step is realizing that you have an addiction and not be embarrassed about it. I think that's the first thing you want to take away that stigma, that there's nothing to be embarrassed about anything that's going on in your life and just know that you're not the only one dealing with this and that there are people out here that can help you get on the right track if that's really what you want to do. Um, I believe in seasons and reasons and timing, and so things happen when it's supposed to, and your journey and your path is totally different than for somebody else. So please don't be discouraged if someone else is kicking something and you're not. It's going to happen when you when it's supposed to happen for you. My, my, my thing would be that if you have some form of faith or something, maybe environmental changes or maybe... Um, believing or worshiping or practicing or meditating or doing yoga or doing something to kind of get you out of that space where you feel that you need to be dependent on whatever that thing is. So yeah, it was a lot here. We, we touched on a lot of different things here with my experts and I thank you ladies both. Thank you, Sharice. Thank you, Natalie, for joining. And that, that, that's the addiction piece now. Me, right. Real Chicks Rock. Yeah, we are everywhere. Yeah, we are. So, as I said at the beginning of the opening of this, um, I used to do this coffee shop thing uh, where we network and socialize and inspire and get to know people. And when I looked at it, it was three years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was three years ago. And I did it for two years. And I was like, it was starting to tap me on the shoulder like, you might want to try to do do this again. again. Yeah. Yeah. So we did it yesterday. And we did it yesterday at Potato's Coffee Bar over in the Grant Park area. It was 1039 Grant Street. Um, We had a wonderful day. I want to thank everybody that came out, um, spent some time, got to meet new people, uh, did some networking, passed some cards around. It was really good. Thanks to my DJ for the day, uh, Gerald Music Man Brooks. He was phenomenal. We had a great time there. And so um, people said, are you going to do it again? Are you going to do it again? Are you going to do it again? And the answer is, yeah, I'm going to do it again. So <laughs> we'll be back there um, June 29th. Don't worry about it. I'll get a flyer. We'll put it on social media. I'll announce it at the end of these shows going forward. We'll put it on, on the website. If you want to get a hold of me, go to the website, realchicksrod.com. I'm everywhere. It tells you the social media platforms I'm on, where we're streaming this program, YouTube, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Go to the website to find out everything that's going on. What we got coming up is a financial management uh, workshop in June, which is next month. That is my birthday. Hmm. So for my birthday, I always want to give back to the community. So we're going to start marketing and promoting that. If you need some help in your finances, if you want to understand how do you get to this 820, this 800 credit score, you need to get your life in order, you need to recalibrate what is real estate, the pros and cons of that, what is a financial portfolio, 401, all that. You need to come to this workshop. Right. Look, Cherie said, yay! 
Because that's the empowerment piece. That's we right. empower people with the tools that they need so they can be empowered and do and do things differently. So come check that out. That's going to be on June 8th at the Philip Rush Center. We'll have more details. We're going to post that more in the future. Um, yes, me. New product. Right. New merch. I told you I was coming out with a new shirt. So I got a new. Ooh, I like that. Right. Real chick. Look. The engineer stood up to look. Yes, it's <laughs> real. <laughs> Real Chicks Rock. We got a new shirt out there. We're coming up with some more tees, too. This is going to be on the website, so if you want it, go get it. Get at it. I was supposed to wear it yesterday, but it looked better on the mannequin than it did on me. So I let it stay on the mannequin all day. So, yes, new product. Go out there. We got pop sockets. We're going to have this shirt. Got some more stuff coming on. All that stuff. Good stuff going on. Last thing, and then I'm going to be quiet because I talked a lot today. I don't really like to talk that much. Um, Strategic Partners. I'm a strategic partner because you got to have strategic partners. Yes, I love it. And I, I like people. I thank people that give me an opportunity to rock with them. So for those people that don't know me, I'm going to tell you I really love music. I really do have a strong affiliation for music. And so anytime that I can align or partner with people that are doing things musically, I am. A- okay. I, we had a lot of stuff. Go- no, no, no. Thank you. So that's what we got. That's my time. So until next time, you guys take care and continue to rock on. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to RCR Presents Real Discussions. Until next time, you take care and continue to rock on.